0: In this episode, Mercedes and I are going to discuss a bad therapy example that someone sent me through Instagram. It's a longer discussion with multiple levels of bad therapy to go into. A few disclaimers before we get going into the episode, though. Yes, this is a longer episode, and I think it's needed. We talk in-depth about the therapeutic, ethical, and legal considerations in this story. We also share some of what might fall into the norm for therapy and what clearly does not fall into any norms for therapy. To be clear, this is not specific advice for therapists, just a discussion of some factors that we identified. There are surely more that we missed, and the laws and ethical guidelines for LMFTs and therapy in general are going to differ state to state. We're practicing in the state of California. If you don't want to hear two therapists get upset about the behavior of one of their peers, don't listen. There is a smidge of swearing, but it's bleeped out per usual. And although this is a story that was sent to me, neither Mercedes nor I have any idea about the reality of the situation, we share this as a narrative that you might be able to relate to in your own therapy experiences. The purposes of this are for education, information, and maybe a little entertainment as well. My name is Justin Sinceri. Mercedes Corona and I are both licensed marriage and family therapists that are obsessed with the political theory and therapy in general. Welcome to Stuck Not Broken and Mercedes, welcome back. I am extremely happy to have you with me again.
1: Thank you. It's
0: a lot more fun to record with you versus by myself.
1: i <laughs> God. You have to leave that in there.
0: <laughs> I will leave that in there, I promise. So we are talking about uh, bad therapy here. I think this should be a pretty safe episode, but you know yourself best, so please put yourself first. This one has um, a, a number of levels of bad therapy so I think that a lot of people could get something out of this that might be in similar situations even like one piece of these so you know I think it's important for people to hear so I'm going to read it Mercedes has no idea what this is about
1: not at all no idea
0: yeah we'll get her honest reactions I have some stuff outlined um, but I do want to know what you think about this Mercedes so here we go
1: are we going to have any time to celebrate that I'm back on for a minute nope nope okay
0: all business
1: all business let's do it
0: here we go so, I just finished listening. Oh, she's only back for this episode. It's not like a permanent thing. Yeah. <laughs> so, I just finished listening to your podcast, Bad Therapy 3. That was back when back
1: when we were doing it. When I was, yeah.
0: Yeah. I just list, Just finished listening to your podcast, Bad Therapy 3, after binging the previous three episodes earlier today. I'm shook to my core. It wasn't until very recently that I learned that the code of ethics for therapists wasn't just a friendly suggestion. It was something therapists were actually bound by. You're already looking shocked.
1: Yes.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it's very important. The ethical norms for us are extremely important.
1: And not friendly, gentle suggestions. They are requirements that we need to follow. It is our code of ethics.
0: We have legal laws that we must follow. Right. We have ethics that we absolutely should be following.
1: I still see it as a requirement in my mind. I yeah, because, I, I got you. You know. Oh god, I I'm 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 shook right now, Justin, cuz that already. horrifies me already. Yes. Cuz I feel like the code of ethics is something that is so firmly ingrained into our training from beginning to end and even after, you know, after I graduated, after I was licensed, like it's so like that's the first thing we always think about is is the legal and ethical. It's you know, a big 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 deal, yeah. Things. And so it's a big deal. I'm sad that that wasn't made clear to a client because th- it, I feel like that's kind of part of the built-in safety of therapy is that there's this code of ethics that we as therapists follow. So I'm sorry to this person.
0: It, I, I, I agree. It, it is something that makes what we do unique.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Okay. So I'm going to call this person Wendy. Um, just I changed her name. Uh, so we'll use the name Wendy because that's just what popped in my mind. So then she Wendy goes on. And then to hear your podcasts on bad therapy and realize that I wasn't the only one and that there are unethical therapists out there was such a relief. I had specifically started therapy for complex PTSD after an abusive marriage that lasted just over a year. And besides for the obvious abuse, like physical abuse, and she put in parentheses DV, there was a lot of emotional abuse, gaslighting, narcissism, narcissism and a need on his, my ex's, part to have complete control over every aspect of my life. I'm not sure all these details are important, except to highlight that I walked out of this marriage feeling extremely defective, and if I could have just done things differently or been a better wife, the marriage could have been salvaged. I took these negative cognitions and beliefs with me to therapy, traumatizing ways I couldn't even begin to express, and ended up with a psychiatrist who also practiced traditional talk therapy so i'll pause here i don't know how common that is anymore so we're not talking about the psychiatric piece of it we're just going to be commenting on the really the mostly ethical actually some legal stuff here as, as well probably but but just the practice of therapy with a client that's kind of what our aim is we're not talking about psychiatry at all
1: justin and i are licensed marriage and family therapists we are not trained in medicine So we do not have any kind of medical degrees. A psychiatrist does have a medical degree as well as the counseling piece.
0: Yeah. I think most psychiatrists are doing just the medication piece. I don't know if it's common to do the therapeutic piece. I've never
1: known a psychiatrist that does both. I've worked with psychiatrists in conjunction with the therapy. Me being the therapist, they provide the medication.
0: So, uh, Wendy goes on, from our first session, there were obvious red flags, which I could not see at the time and thought I had found the therapeutic relationship that would be perfect for my healing. I don't think I can adequately describe what that year of therapy was like, but here are some obvious violations that I thought were okay and even welcomed in the moment. So, we're going to go through a number of things that uh, that Wendy experienced with her psychiatrist. I do want to point out that therapy inherently involves a lot of trust, vulnerability, exposure, and hope as well. And when you have someone with especially a severe diagnosis like CPTSD, trust, vulnerability, being with their feelings, establishing a new relationship, having healthy boundaries, these are extremely important things to do in therapy. And people are coming to therapists feeling like they're broken. I think Wendy had actually said that. But people come in feeling like they're broken. And first off, they're not. You're not broken. Stuck not broken. But people come into therapy therapy feeling broken. There's a ton of vulnerability there and trust. And so we as therapists, we have a huge obligation to treat that with utmost respect and to follow, like you said, Mercedes, those ethical and legal norms of therapy. Yes. So lots of responsibility on our end that I want to just put out there. And also one final thing, Mercedes, I don't hopefully you agree, but if there's one red flag in a therapeutic relationship, that might indicate there's more. And what I want to show is that there's a series of red flags that she mm-hmm. experienced. And I think this is probably true for any kind of relationship. If there's one red flag, there might be more.
1: Going back to the training that we receive, and I can only speak to being trained in the state of California. I assume that being trained as a licensed marriage and family therapist is pretty similar across all the states. I, I feel like that's a fair assumption right. to make. But the point I want to make is that, that we receive extensive training in in how to handle that kind of stuff. And and so so going to back to what Justin said as far as the red flags, that there is no way that there is confusion about certain boundaries. Or ethical guidelines as a therapist, at least in the training that I received, I was very clear on what was okay and what was absolutely not okay. And so I agree yeah. with Justin when he says that if there's one red flag, there's likely others because if you as a therapist with all the training that you've received feel like it's okay to like cross this one line, then there's, you're definitely crossing other lines and, and just expect that.
0: Okay, so here's the first part here. Like,
1: I'm already angry at whoever is there. I can't handle it. Like, Well, and it's like, and I know you're trying to get to the point, like to the story, but like, it's like what you were saying before, like people come into therapy and they feel broken. They feel messed up. They feel defective. And and there's so much, I'm trying to use different words than what you said, because I don't want to be repetitive, but there is so much vulnerability there. And there's so much, like with that level of vulnerability, there's so much opportunity for further damage. And as therapists, I think that's the first thing that we need to be respectful of, is understanding that when a person walks in the door, especially the first time, they are extremely fragile and I don't mean that as a weakness. I don't want to make that sound like it's a negative thing, but I'm just saying like they they're looking for help and they've reached the place where they feel like they can't do it on their own anymore and they need to find a professional to support them. And that is a very, very, very fragile place. It's a very delicate, vulnerable place, and it, and as a therapist, like messing with that, like if you're if you're going in there and just trying to like muck around in there, I am really not okay with that. It makes me so angry.
0: You and I have been. We both have said we've visited, had a few therapists. Um, I'm working with the coach right now, so we know on the other on the other end of things, probably that we're really bringing part of ourselves that maybe no one else gets to see you know when i talk with my coach i'm very well aware of like the things i say to her things we talk about the way i feel what i express no one else really sees that like that's really a very deeper parts of me that i don't share with anybody else and that i'm really trusting this individual in many ways you know so yeah inherent big responsibility here on the other end of things to to treat that with love and respect and to follow basic guidelines and ethics, or laws and ethics. Okay, here's the first part. She kept me for 45 minutes past our scheduled session time on our first intake session. So right off the bat, and told. Okay, Mercedes. I know she's shaking her I know, head vigorously I'm, being quiet. vigorously. I'm not
1: saying anything.
0: Okay, now you're, you're good. Okay, 45 minutes passed, and told me that she was really intrigued by my story, and that she felt a special connection to me. No. <laughs> that's exactly what I wrote down. My, my first bullet point was no exclamation <laughs> mark.
1: No. I, right away, that's a, a, a boundary violation. And And boundaries, if you guys, if you're new to the show or if you're new to the world of therapy, boundaries are huge. There's a reason for that. We don't need to go into detail about it right now. But boundaries are extremely important. And again, in the world of therapy, as trained therapists, there is... <laughs> A ridiculous amount of training and education that goes into understanding the importance of boundaries. And that is right from the get go. Like forty-five minutes is an incredible amount of time to keep that person over. I assume so when, when you say
0: boundaries, are you talking about the time, the practical the time or, or are you talking about the relationship boundaries that also well, seem to be an issue here? Both. <laughs> okay. But all first. Right.
1: first First, the 45 minutes overtime, which I don't know. When I had private practice, I tried to be very clear with the people. I, You never know how long it's going to take. So I would give them a range of time. It could be okay. an hour, you know, as an intake for just the intake. Okay. It would typically be hour, hour and a half. And that's what I would tell people. Okay. And I would say, you know, I would ask about, do you have any time constraints? Da, 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 whatever. But 45 minutes is an ex- Extensive amount of time to keep a person extra, so I, I don't Without know.
0: communicating that, yeah,
1: right. And and again, just a a boundary crossing, a boundary right from the start. And predictability
0: then, is a big deal, right?
1: Predictability is a big deal. Res, respecting the client's time because it's not just the therapist's time; it's the client's time too. You know, we all have schedules that we have to follow, and there's a reason why we have appointments.
0: Boundaries and predictability—that was the word that came up for me—is clients need to know they need to be able to predict when things begin and end when the when the clinician the therapist will be there which would be when the when it's scheduled when they are available all these things should there should be open honest discussed predictability so that the client knows especially like if you when you're when you're dealing with something like CPTSD Being able to predict a relationship is probably kind of a big deal, you know. Based Mm -hmm. on this narrative here, like that is 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 going to be a it's a pretty pretty basic cue of safety or important idea. Going back to like
1: polyvagal terms, like it's a pretty basic cue of safety, you know, predictability, consistency, reliability. It's just an easy thing that, as a therapist, we can provide as as kind of like that foundation of safety that we want to we want to give to clients.
0: Before we get to the special connection uh thing, we have to end on time or at least like you said, like you gave them a range, I like think it's better than nothing, right? Real real quick, is it typical to stay longer than the fifty minute hour? Have you ever had sessions where it's gone beyond fifty minutes? Are there any circumstances where that might be in the norm?
1: Not in the norm, no. I, I I've had like the crisis type of session. So, right, right, you know, right. a typical therapy session is 50 minutes. But there have been the times where I've had to keep someone for their own safety or for the safety of someone else.
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, me too. And there, there's been crises where it's safety issues. So it's like, no, you can't go. I'm sorry. I have to make sure you're safe. I would not feel right letting you leave this classroom or I'm sorry, leaving my office, leaving the school campus, whatever it is. Or the outpatient clinic. Um, but the also, there's kids that, or yeah, teens so far where we've gone beyond that hour because they are in like a panic attack or they're really like just way completely dysregulated, and sending them back to class would be a dumb idea. <laughs> <laughs> so, there, there's a couple of instances where maybe I would. Yeah. A session would go beyond. The other thing would be, I, I do use the 10 minute, the, fifth, the the last 10 minutes of the hour. not The 50 to 60, like that, that 10 yeah, minutes. Yeah, yeah, the
1: last, yeah.
0: For me, that's potentially note writing. But also, if there is any like lingering things that need that last 10 minutes, I, I don't mind using that.
1: Same, yeah.
0: Beyond that, though, I, I don't think it's norm. The norm is to go, mm. especially 45 minutes. Okay, what if so I miss um, that's
1: essentially another session. Say it for really is. client or whoever, you know.
0: Right, right. Okay, so intrigued by my story and that she felt a special connection to me.
1: Like, okay, in and of itself, it doesn't necessarily have to be a negative thing. But I think for me, in conjunction with the previous boundary violation that is so glaring and so unnecessary, I think I'm assuming here that this is another boundary violation because I... I feel like I've said, I don't want to say similar things because the way this was worded is making me really uncomfortable. But I feel like I've said things to people in the, you know, after meeting them for the first time, like, I'm excited to work with you. Or I feel like, I feel sure. like, you know, this is whatever, you know. Yeah. Um. But as far as being intrigued and feeling, having a special connection, I don't know, that feels different.
0: So first off, like communicating that to the client feels extremely creepy. In a treatment team, we might say, like, this is a really interesting or compelling case. Mm -hmm. But that's amongst peers, and we're discussing, like, we, you know, we had a treatment team this week. Mm -hmm. There was a case that I brought up that I think is quite compelling, very intriguing. I would use those words. It doesn't intrigue me as, like, entertainment. I'm not sitting there like, hmm, like with my monocle on, you know, and (laughs) this is so intriguing. Hmm. So, communicating that client seems a little creepy. I can kind of see just benefit of the doubt. Maybe there is something along on a professional to professional. Hey, this is a really interesting case. Let me get your input on it kind of thing. Maybe that's, I'll give them that. But then also the special connection. Again, there might be clients that we're really rooting for. Maybe just benefit of the doubt. There might be clients that we do feel um, more hope for, honestly. hmm
1: mm-hmm. mm-hmm.
0: So, you know, but to communicate that to a client and say, I feel like we have a special connection feels very creepy.
1: It really does. For some reason, it just popped into my head. Um, I don't know if you got this when you were going to school, Justin, but I remember one of my teachers saying something like, all of our words and all of our actions as a therapist must have a an intention behind it. Be that to comfort, to encourage, to empower, to soothe, what like whatever it is. And so, what would the intention be behind saying "special connection"? It feel it feels almost manipulative, and I, I feel like manipulative is a little too strong of a word. I just can't think of a different one. But if, well, wait like, until you hear the rest of this. Okay. Oh
0: god. I think you're right on. The, I think you're right on the path. So I'm going to ask you to hold on to that because I think you're right on the path. I'm uncomfortable. I'm
1: uncomfortable with, okay, the, with the Sit with that discomfort,
0: welcome it, give it a hug, because we're going to be with Let's it for a it. while. Okay. Um, <laughs> I'm
1: going to pull up a chair, a <laughs> cushion, here you go. For the discomfort, For yeah. the discomfort.
0: But yeah, I don't know what the special, I don't know. What's, I, I'm what's, with you. What's the, I think it's.
1: Right, what's the necessity of it? Why, why?
0: There's There's no therapeutic application I can see of saying that. But the feeling, I'm really curious, like, well, what, what is the special connection that you're feeling? <laughs> what are you talking about? So that's that's where I'm yes. going is like, what is it? And it then communicating and that is... Okay, all right. So let's just leave it where it is. Okay. All right, that was the first part. Wendy goes on to say, she friend requested me on Stop. multiple... I
1: can't. <laughs> <laughs> Stop it. I can't, you guys. I can't. I'm sorry. Please go on.
0: So just like it just doesn't feel right. Red flag, red flag for you. And we we know cognitively that's why. It's not just that
1: it doesn't feel right. It is not right.
0: No, right, right, right.
1: But you felt it, like you,
0: you. Okay. So for anybody, okay, my point is for anybody listening who had a red flag there, it's there for a reason. Your your hunch is probably correct. That's what I'm saying. And if you felt like Mercedes just sounded then, you know, <laughs> it's a red flag it's, it's too red flag. bad
1: people can't see me like
0: just like a gas full and on like covering yeah. my
1: face and like pulling back and
0: huge reaction <sighs> all right she friend requested me on multiple social media platforms after our second session together and i wasn't sure how to respond it is very awkward right i wouldn't know how to respond exactly. It's a very awkward. In therapy, there's a power dynamic. There's a power dynamic. It's a very, therapy can be, should not be a muddled relationship. There should be clear boundaries. But with situations like this, it it can easily get very muddled if the therapist does it's not a, have clear boundaries, right? It is
1: not okay. It's another, it's another, I'm so, I'm so there's worked more. up. I'm so worked up. <laughs> this is another extremely clear breathing. boundary issue. Slow your breathing. In the exhale <laughs> it's another extremely cl- clear boundary violation and i when i went to school social media wasn't such a big thing as it is now but right it is very clear just like you were saying like the the boundaries and the definitions of the relation everything should be extreme like crystal more than crystal clear In a therapeutic relationship, it has to be understood on both ends with absolutely no questions, and to go onto all the social—I mean, she didn't say all. I'm exaggerating now, but to go on multiple social media sites and friend request her—that's blending the line of therapist and friend. Already, this is—it's sounding just based on the writing. It's sounding like it's right after the first session. Did she say immediately? This was after after the the second session.
0: After the second session. Come
1: on, that's. To be clear, it's never okay as a therapist right, to friend right, request right. any of your clients on any social media platform. But after the second session, what are you doing? It's
0: extra creepy. It's it's, like, it's extra it's, odd. Okay, yeah.
1: It's an even more blatant violation of the boundaries.
0: Yeah, it should never really happen, it though. It should not. All right, well, get ready oh for this God. next part. <laughs> She's already leaning back. You can't yeah. cover your ears. You I have, know, have I'm, to I'm trying
1: long. to cover my ears, and I can't. <laughs>
0: At our next session, so this would have been like a third. At our next session, Mercedes is covering her mouth. At our next session, she asked why I hadn't accepted her or followed her back.
1: Shut (laughs) up. I'm really trying to control my reaction so that we can get through it.
0: And then waited while I did so in session.
1: Stop. (laughs) Stop it. Stop it.
0: I'm sorry.
1: Stop it. Right now. (laughs) The therapist sat there and made her accept the friendwick. Rec- oh my god!
0: Power dynamic. Like there's that is oh there's god. a huge power yeah. differential. Someone's coming to us with trust. Someone's coming to us, looking at us as the experts in the room. Yes. Um. There's a power differential here that is so easily misused, and that's feels like that's what's happening right now, right?
1: I. You okay. And I think I. Yes. <laughs> yes, in quotation marks. I think there is a lot of that coming into a new therapeutic relationship and I think some of that gets a little bit exacerbated I think inadvertently on our part because what you mentioned the informed consent, right? I remember when I would do right. my informed consent with my when I had my private practice. We have to go through what we've done and our experience and our education and it in a weird way, it was it was always uncomfortable for me because in a weird way, it felt like bragging. Like I have a master's degree right. and I have such and such number of years of experience and this is what I've done. And but we're required to do that to give clients all the information they need to have. Because what if there's something in my background that makes a client uncomfortable? We want to put that right out there, right at, like right off the bat, so that you as the client can make that decision. Do you feel safe or not? Da 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 da. But so what I'm saying is like. The education and like the expert, like the expertise, all that stuff kind of gets highlighted right at the start. And so I feel like the power dynamic is probably at its most unbalanced at the beginning of a therapeutic relationship. And so again, this is, we're talking third ish session. Yeah. And like, (laughs) you're vulnerable, you're, you're scared, you're fragile, you're, you're looking for help, you're confused about your life, you don't know what you're doing. And here's an expert like up on a pedestal with all her degrees on the wall and look at how cool I am because I'm a therapist and she's telling you to do this and she's the professional. She's the one who knows. So obviously this is something I need to do. It frustrates me so much because maybe I'm just thinking too much of my own experience, but as a, as a private practice clinician, as a therapist, bringing in a new client, I did as much as I could to, to bring a little bit more balance to that relationship because the whole point of therapy is for somebody to feel safe enough to put out whatever they need to put out to 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 heal yeah and you can't do that if you don't feel safe and you're not going to feel safe if you feel like i'm the end all be all answer to everything and i don't want you to feel that way because i'm not the end all be all
0: this is a pretty clear i think example of what it can of what that power differential can look like when it goes wrong gosh so far so far
1: I can't. Am I going to have a heart attack by the end of this? I can't. Just. I
0: can't guarantee you don't. So are you in or are you out?
1: (laughs) I'm in. Let's do this.
0: Slow it down. Slow it down. You're going to be okay.
1: I'm good. It just makes me so angry. Okay. I
0: know. I know. I know. Okay. So just with this one, I'm with you. No, 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 no. This is not a good idea. We do not. Just, I mean, just to be crystal clear, we do not befriend our clients on social media. We do not follow them, friend them, whatever the hell you want to call it. That's not gonna. That should not be happening. Period. We should not even, in my, well, no, we're not in my opinion, but we don't even interact with. Generally, now for me, my clients are likely going to be following me and find me through Instagram or listen to the podcast. In, in my informed consent. I do have a little policies thing there about about that, and I say you can interact with me just like anybody else would who follows me on Instagram. I, I make clear therapy does not happen. I will never disclose anything about our therapeutic relationship. Um, nothing personal, like all that stuff I'm very clear about. But if they have a question just like any other listener or like any other follower, I'm fine with that. You can utilize the platform just like anybody else would. I, on my end, I will never indicate that you are a client or whatever.
1: So but there, that's part of but my... there's no coercion there. There's no, no. requirement. Like, I'm going to sit here and watch not accept my friend request. And on top of that, I mean, I don't know your entire social media profile, you know, A to Z. But I'm assuming that there, there's a difference between Mercedes Corona personal profile on Facebook and Mercedes right. Corona yes, MFT. Yes. This is my professional... You know what I mean? Like, I feel like that's different.
0: Yeah, for me this is these are my professional profiles. Right. And but I, but I want people to know what is probably within an ethical norm. And mm-hmm. honestly a lot of the social media stuff is kind of hazy and it's still being figured out. There are seems like obvious things like we don't break confidentiality. We we don't befriend it, befriend each other. That's really mm-hmm. obvious. That mm-hmm. seems very very obvious and things I've read have always said that. But what about for someone like me who has a larger following, podcast, a blog? What are the norms for interaction there? So on my end, I make very clear my professional boundaries. And now, what they disclose in the comments and whatnot is out of my hands. I do recommend they don't. <laughs> they right. don't do that. Right. I will never disclose this. Even if they did, I will never respond to them in any sort of affirmative way saying, yeah, I'll see you next Tuesday for a right. session or Her whatever. Her
1: appointment is at 2.45, right.
0: <laughs> the other thing here when it comes to this is not only on social media. This People might not like me saying this, Mercedes, but I want to hear what you think. So we don't befriend on social media, but we're also just not friends. Ever. Like, period. Why are you making? Because people face. feel very friendly. Because I, I've, I've had discussions like this on Instagram, and people say, "I love my therapist. I feel like they're my friend. I feel very close." And I get it, but they're not. You don't pay for friendships. This is. I hope. I hope. I hope. Right.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I don't.
0: We're a service. Like we are a service. You hire us. I
1: think that's what it is. But I think it's so unique because to be our most beneficial and our most successful, we have to get extremely personal with that person. But let me be clear what I mean. That the client must open up and be extremely personal with us. But it is not a reciprocal relationship. And we were talking about the power dynamic before, and as uncomfortable as I am with the idea, it's not.
0: yeah, you're right. There,
1: there, the the idea of being, the idea of me being better than, or bigger than, or more important than somebody else makes me completely uncomfortable. I don't ever see myself that way. But in a therapeutic relationship, one of us is the therapist and one of us is the client, and the therapist has extremely clear rules about what is and is not okay, what is and is not ethical, and what and legal etc etc and those those guidelines those those boundaries are there for a reason and that is for the utmost benefit of the client everything we do just like you said we are a service we are a service provider and the service is to provide you with the most benefit possible which means that if i let mercedes the person bleed into mercedes the therapist then it's going to get messy and messy relationships are never okay in the world of therapy. I think what makes that difficult for people is that, again, so people become very personal with us. People open up. Like you were saying, like you say and do things with a, a therapist, a coach, whoever, that you would never do with anybody else. And so there's a connection there. And I, I'll i speak right, for myself. Is, yeah. I feel that too. There are clients that I feel closer to than other clients. But my boundaries are always clear and I am never a friend. And I, I think that hurts when people hear that because i think people do love their therapists and i feel people really feel close to their therapist in a really personal way and i validate that i i i think that's true and genuine and i think the relationship is two ways but it's still not a friendship it's still not a personal relationship there can be caring and an attachment on a professional level
0: right Yeah, and, like, the way you and I interact is not the way I interact with the client. If people think this is how I sound in therapy, it's just not. Like, it's the way that I interact with people on Instagram, this is not me as a therapist. I'm not fake. I'm not become – I don't become a whole different person, Mm -hmm. but I become a hell of a lot more empathetic. I do more listening. I don't – like, you and I joke around. Like, this isn't therapy. This is is a friendship. Mm -hmm. This does not translate to the way I do therapy. It's – it's – and I don't know how to convey that. I don't really know how, like, you don't, nobody hears me do therapy ever.
1: I know. You hear my
0: accounts of it, but. Right. If, if you think this is how I sound as a therapist, like, it's just not. You know what I mean? And I am assume yeah. the same as you, for you as well.
1: Yeah. And I, I, I'm just thinking about, you know, our listeners, the people listening, former clients of mine or who, you know, whoever, I'm not saying that they're listening, but I'm saying like, I'm thinking about the perspective from, from their side. And I get it. Like, I, I, I get that here, here's a person who listens and really hears what you have to say and really is truly on your side, not because it's their job to do so and not because they're BSing you, but because they really understand you. And gosh, doesn't that feel nice? And, and wow, wouldn't we love to have that in more areas of our lives. But the reason that it works so well is because we as therapists, like Justin said, we kind of we 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 turn up the stuff that is helpful and we turn down the stuff that is not. I am sarcastic like nobody's business. Like I am probably one of the most sarcastic people you'll ever meet. And I cannot be sarcastic in a therapy session because that would not be beneficial to my client. And kind of kind of going back like before I was saying like how I was trained with like you have to think of the intentionality of all of all of your actions, all of your words, all of your facial expressions. And for me, sarcasm would cause more harm than good. And the point of being a therapist is to do good and to help heal and to move forward, not backward. Absolutely. Again, I, I'm sorry. I feel like I'm talking too much about it. But I, I get that it feels hurtful to a client to hear, like, I'm not your friend. But just because we're not friends doesn't mean that what you feel within that relationship isn't real. The feelings are still real it's just that it works that way because of the nature of the relationship if we were friends we probably wouldn't get along this way
0: so i work with teens and it's not uncommon for them just to call me their friend i have a hard time with that because as an adult with a teen it's um there's like an added layer of discomfort for me honestly and so i make it very clear to them i don't say like hey we're not friends what I'll, what I'll say is, um, so you and I meet once a week. That's our relationship. If you want to call that a friendship, that's fine. But we meet once a week. We don't hang out outside of this. This is our kind of time together. And so that's so why I say to me, this is like a professional uh, relationship. If you feel okay calling me a friend, that's okay. But we don't interact like with you and your other friends, right? What we do is significantly different. So I, I try to make it very clear that this is what our thing looks mm-hmm. like. This is the, This is the structure of it. Yeah. And this is a lot different than a typical friendship, but I know that the word "friend" them means something, and that when they say they call me a friend, that it really means something to them. But I also feel like, well, yeah, but, and so I try to put those that you know that definition to it. Like I just feel like I have to. I I think I think it's the best thing. So that that there's no confusion. Don't invite me to your 18th birthday party, stuff like that. Actually, that's come up, and I'll say I really appreciate that. I won't be coming because this, you know, this is what we do here, and I can't be doing that. And confidentiality—it means so much to me that you would think of that. And I'm—I'm I'm, that—I mean a lot to you in your life. I'm not going to be coming to your birthday party.
1: Right. <laughs> that's definitely come up.
0: Right. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, we're not trying to be jerks, but um, yeah, therapy's a service. I think it kind of—that's that, it. So no, no social media friendships. That's a
1: nothing personal, p- Huge right? nothing
0: no, potentially a huge confidentiality breach, uh definitely potentially a dual relationship, which is we have the relationship in our as a therapist client. A dual relationship would be we also have another relationship like a business partnership
1: or friendship.
0: Or a friendship outside of the therapeutic uh relationship. I know we I know we're, we're really driving home this part, but actually around this because it has a lot to do with it is self-disclosure. So I don't do a whole lot, but I think that therapists who do can probably bring that more friendly wishy-washy boundary. I, it, that's that's a really I think you have to be really careful when you're doing self-disclosure it, stuff
1: it's a It's a tricky line, and i've I've noticed that as I build up more years under my belt as as a therapist, I've noticed that I do a little bit more self-disclosure than I ever did in the beginning. It's still not a lot, pretty rare yeah. still. I found that there were times that that a, a deeper connection, a more a more personal connection was more beneficial to the client and their own growth. And that was the reason for it. And again, I feel like I'm hitting this home, this point home a little too much, but it, it goes back to the same thing. Why are you doing saying, right. you know, expressing whatever thing as a therapist? What what's the reason? If there's a reason that is beneficial to the client, then go right ahead. If the reason for sharing information or the reason for doing whatever thing is self-fulfillment in some way, then that's not okay.
0: My worry is that when, when we self disclose, is it like you said, is it for the client or is it to feel like we've made a connection? To feel like they think we understand them or they feel like we understand them.
1: I keep getting this memory coming up as we're talking about this. There was this one kid I worked with. He was a teenager at the time, just going through some really hard stuff. And I I did some self-disclosure with the intent of hopefully kind of helping him. And I remember it was such a beautiful moment. Like he, like it was one of those um, like breakthrough moments, like he kind of like literally like broke down crying. And then once he was kind of done with that, he said like, I, I really needed to hear that. I needed to hear that someone like you, and he had his he had his kind of image of me and, and who I was, which wasn't accurate, if I'm being honest. Um, but that's how people see us, you know? Um, and he said, I, I needed to hear that someone like you understands and has gone through experiences like this beca- because it gave him hope. You know what I mean? And like, I got you, that's yeah. the kind of thing. But again, like I, that specific type of self disclosure, I've probably only ever done maybe three times ever.
0: The I did work with a therapist who was like kept telling me about her mom and it was it was too much it was like it was it was way too much. All right, okay. Wendy Wendy continues. By our sixth session, she started texting me casually between sessions. Stop.
1: <laughs> I'm sorry. Keep going.
0: Keep going. Mercedes is covering her mouth. She started texting me casually between sessions and then started having our session in restaurants or asking me to go out for drinks to process our sessions. She also started bringing more and more of her own personal life into our sessions together. So this that's a clear, we just talked about that. I don't want to keep going into that, but the self-disclosure, clear violation of what might be a best attempt at a therapeutic self-disclosure, bringing more and more of your own personal life is is an is a no-no. But when it this in combination with everything else we just heard, obviously this is beyond any sort of therapeutic this, boundary and norm
1: this therapist needed a friend and she found somebody compatible who happened to be a client who walked through her door and now they're going out to eat and to drink and and let's share stuff and that's just that's just one glaring issue should we talk about confidentiality what the heck are yeah. you doing you cannot have such. am sorry i'm starting to get louder you cannot have a therapeutic session in a public setting and expect to be able to abide by confidentiality guidelines. What are you doing?
0: Yeah, obviously, obviously, well past the uh, any sort of typical not
1: okay.
0: therapy lines.
1: Mm-mm. Why
0: is it? Is there ever? Let's just stick with let's let's do it piece by piece. Um, texting casually between sessions. Why? So that's a no. Okay. No. I agree. That's a no. I know. What, I'm just What's the I'm intention
1: behind it? Like, hey, let's confirm your appointment. Cool. Like logistics.
0: As as long as they've given you permission to use texting as a way. Which would be reviewed permission. during
1: an informed consent time, which yes. is the first session.
0: Yes. Texting casually, no, no. Because that's what you do with friends. And not. therapy is not a friendship. And then having session in restaurants. No.
1: No. 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 no.
0: No. no, no, I agree. That's not confidentiality. No. You can't have, you can't. That, I mean, that's just. Do we even have to like talk having, about this? Maybe having we, a maybe meal we do. is such a
1: personal thing, and like, I I don't I don't want to oversell it or anything, but like, Justin, if I didn't like you, I wouldn't eat with you. Like, I just wouldn't. Like, there's. It, uh,
0: that's why we've never been out to lunch together. We've been no, out like, to we lunch have, we many have.
1: Times. I know we have. <laughs> it, it just. It, sharing a meal is is for family and friends
0: how about what about what about just just devil's advocate in in public obviously no that's not therapy therapy is not going to happen now in vivo exposure as some sort of informed that's consent different that's different but we have to establish what might sure. be appropriate and what what is not going to sure. be appropriate therapy in public in general absolutely not no therapy with a client walking around the block outside, as they're needing to get grounded, and just quietly walking around the block if they're okay with that and they can consent to that as a
1: predetermined Maybe. and pre-discussed intervention, yeah.
0: And now, but it, you work with kids. I work with teenagers. Mm-hmm. We play. I've played basketball in sessions. It, it's it's a little bit different in a school setting. That it, it's um people know I'm the ther. It's 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 like it's different ish. Right. I make sure to keep things confidential. But yeah, people see me with the clients, So it's, it's more of a gray area.
1: It is. I feel like I feel like the way that our roles as clinicians are in the work that we do currently is different. But yeah, like, it's like you said, like, I feel like there's some, um, I, I, I know that we're in public. I know that a school is a public place. But it also feels more private than than a typical public place. Oh, yeah. And, right. and then like... But just, like just said, examples. Just examples no, yeah, though, for sure. Of well, what and I'm it, thinking about okay. what people are thinking as they're listening, you know? So like the playing basketball example. Like I've done that before. But like when you're on a school site, when you're on a school campus and you see an adult and a child playing basketball at a random time, it's not recess, you assume something's going on and you assume that there's a reason for it. Obviously... The person on the school campus, like anybody who's ever been to a school campus, you have to sign in. Like for us employees, we have to wear our badges. Like there's all sorts of safety protocols that exist. So anyone who's well, sees, they know who we are, right?
0: They, everyone knows who we are. They, they see us pullking out of class who sees like this the... is, is
1: going to know like this is a legitimate situation. Like obviously something's going on with this kid. They don't even have to know that it's therapy, but there's no, no. like, let's talk about what your mom did to make you feel. There's none of that during the no. basketball game. It's it's about no. coping. It's about releasing energy. Yeah, bonding. It's about I mean, right, just building rapport. Right.
0: Yeah, I I think the point is like I want people to know what could be appropriate mm-hmm. and what is clearly not appropriate. And what this situation that Wendy gave us is clearly not appropriate. So there's no confidentiality in public. There real therapy is not going to be happening like that in a in a restaurant chit chatting. I mean, maybe it was happening, lunch. but it
1: should not be happening. That is. Like I'm, I'm I'm implying that maybe the therapist ha- tried to have a legitimate therapeutic session over some you know chicken carbonara but like <laughs> <laughs> that is unacceptable what about
0: what about what about eating in the therapy room together
1: I think that that feels a little wonky to me but honestly I'm open to anything if it's yeah helpful I wouldn't say a clear note to that to the client yeah. if it's beneficial in some way and if it's something that the client, I don't want to say that the client has to request it, but like in some way it has to come from the client. I would not be the person to initiate like, you know what? I'm super hungry. I'm going to have some lunch. Why don't you bring your lunch? No. Yeah. Again, kind of playing devil's advocate to my own point. I have had lunch with kids at work. Right. Right. But that's back to the thing. Like either they've requested it of me or we do lots of things like because of the program that I work in, there's lots of behavioral components. And so behavioral rewards. So like, Lunch with Miss Mercedes is a cool thing.
0: Hell of a reward.
1: Hell of a reward.
0: (laughs) Top of the world.
1: Or they really, really need to see me, Miss Mercedes. I really, really need to see you. And I say, but it's lunchtime and I don't want you to miss out on eating. And I say, you can eat here with me. That's fine. You know, like there's. Different. It's different. Killing a dead horse.
0: No, I, I'm not. But it has to. I think it should be spelled out. No, but okay. but their adult therapists with adult clients might drink tea together. They might have coffee sure. in their office. Like there might be things like that sure. that are. A little Starbucks. Yeah.
1: Like not together, but like I brought my Starbucks in because I was drinking it on my way to my appointment. So.
0: Sure, but it's not like, hey, girl, what do you want for lunch while we have a <laughs> session? Right. right. I'm ordering. I'm doing a DoorDash. A like it's not like that.
1: Sandwich and she wants the thing beside. It. I don't know. <laughs> like if you know each other's food styles, like. Like, I know how you eat salads, Justin. That's because we're friends. Oh, yeah, you do. Yeah.
0: How do I eat salads?
1: Without dressing. You eat them dry.
0: Boom. (laughs) Dressing's disgusting.
1: Dressing is delicious. Just the right type of dressing.
0: It makes it all wet. It's gross. (laughs) Can't have dry salad if it's wet. (laughs) All right. (laughs) So this is clearly outside of any normal realm of what would... Ethical... Probably legal at this point. Decent. (laughs) (laughs) Fundamental basics of therapy. We are well outside the range. Here we go. Because it keeps going. She started to begin our session with her venting about her love life. (sighs) Venting about her love life and who she had slept with or been seeing that week. Mercedes is having a hard time. She also... She also brought up her religion a lot and how she stopped following most of it at age thirty.
1: Okay, at this point, is there any therapy time left for the client? Like what are like what is she paying for? She she's paying to to hear this lady air out her own business.
0: There's nothing here that is so far resembling this is not therapy, therapy for me this at all. This is
1: abuse of power.
0: I, I think it's a fair way to say it, yeah. We are here for the client. We're not not the other way around, right? This this is not...
1: You don't go to a restaurant and then cook your own food. Right, right. You're paying for a service, and you have the right to have that service rendered to you in full as identified in the informed consent.
0: Of which there should definitely be one. I can't. This this is beyond any sort of self disclosure that might be within the range of appropriate for for therapy. There's is is no what,
1: reason to talk about your own love life slash sex life in a therapy session. As the therapist, there's there's absolutely no reason for that.
0: I don't do sex therapy. Maybe maybe that that's within the realm of normal self disclosure. I have no maybe. idea. I don't know about that in particular, but that would be.
1: But it's probably still feels- with. Uh, like, even as a sex know, therapist, know. you know what I mean? Like, well, when my husband, da-da-da-da, no.
0: Yeah, probably. I would assume not. Sex therapists, if you're listening, reach out to uh, justinlmft at gmail.com. I'd love to hear from you. Mm-hmm. But otherwise, yeah, I don't I don't know how this would be appropriate. Th- this by itself, I don't think it would be appropriate in any context. It's clearly outside the normal it's range of therapy. not
1: okay at all.
0: But I would like to know, maybe from a sex therapist, is there a healthy amount of self-disclosure there?
1: I, I, I'm i intrigued by that. I, I'm interested in that. Because just like, you know, working with depression or anxiety or whatever thing, there could be an appropriate amount of self-disclosure. So theoretically, in sex therapy, there could also be.
0: But that's not this. But so. that's not this. But we're just trying to establish what a healthy way could look like. Yeah. Wendy goes on. She started canceling session last minute. Oh, good. She started canceling session last minute, but saying we were friends and could make it up whenever.
1: Oh, for drinks. Oh, we didn't even talk about the drinks.
0: Did it say? Oh, yeah, you're right.
1: We didn't even talk about the drinks. How, as a professional person... Yeah, you're
0: right. Go out for drinks. Yeah, you're right.
1: As a professional, in in your chosen field of a career, how is that acceptable to... To engage in your, in your work responsibilities under the influence of anything.
0: I, yeah, I, we totally missed that. You're right.
1: I can't.
0: You're right. I wouldn't show up to work under the influence of anything. I wouldn't do therapy under the influence. Of, I don't even podcast. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, <laughs> you and I, like I drink beer. Mm-hmm. I, I like to sample craft beers. Mm-hmm. Not to sample. But I, I like to drink the whole thing. Sure. So I, you know what I mean? <laughs> to the bottom. Unless it's bad, then I'll, I won't. Okay. But like, I don't even bring that to this.
1: Right. A, I wouldn't bring that is, to is a session. pretty outside the world of therapy. Right, this is not even therapy. Right.
0: But I want to bring my most clear-minded self to right. what I'm doing here. I sure as <laughs> would not bring that to a therapy room.
1: I can't even, like, it, it, it is incongruent. With my brain. <laughs> I can't understand. I'm just I'm imagining my old office when I had private practice. I'm imagining being a little tipsy, because I like beer as well. It, like I it makes me want to vomit. I can't.
0: I know, I know.
1: It is so far away from acceptable. It is I can't. I'm not being coherent anymore. We can go on.
0: <laughs> Are you sure?
1: Gosh. I'm just so angry that there's people out there that call themselves therapists and there's clients who, I'm sorry, there's clients who suffer the repercussions is the end of that sentence.
0: Yeah, this um, probably is not helpful for anybody and is probably reinforcing of whatever they came in there for. So she started canceling session. Therapists might cancel a session, might even do it last minute. I did that a few weeks ago. My daughter swallowed a piece of her... um, the wire in her braces oh oh yeah like an inch of this like (gasps) metal oh
1: no that's dangerous
0: she had swallowed it earlier in the day and didn't tell us until that night oh my god so we called the advice nurse and had to take her to the er right and this was right before my session so i did i had to cancel my session and i i did text no i didn't i um did i text that person no i emailed We, we we email she prefers email so i emailed her saying hey i can't make our session family emergency everyone's okay but it's just real short and sweet because I, I know she'd worry i think i believe i said everyone's fine but emergency came up but that that was it it w- it was last minute
1: emergencies happen
0: but that's right but that's what it and so we we rescheduled it
1: and just for the record i put that in my informed consent as well emerge like a, a little thing about like i you know i won't cancel appointments unless an emergency da, da, da.
0: I, th- I think that night while i was in the er um my, my daughter was fine, by the way. But while while we were in the waiting room, I was we were emailing and setting up the next appointment. We had a concrete plan of when we would mm-hmm. meet again to make up for it. It wasn't As just you know, we will make it up. Like it wasn't you know. Well, I'll meet you at the bar <laughs> whenever. I don't know. You know. It was there was nothing like that. It was a very <laughs> you concrete. Get this is me. when you can.
1: I'll catch up. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. So because again, we're not friends. Friends don't pay to hang out with me, right? Clients pay to have a session with me. They they are entitled. Is entitled the right word? They are owed.
1: Entitled. I think clear
0: right boundaries. Way. Okay, clear boundaries, clear expectations, and dependability. And so, canceling last session. It sounds like it happened more than once. Said she started canceling sessions. Mm-hmm. So, th- this is um, cl- this is no way to treat anybody, but definitely not a client. And you can't leave it vague. Friends can, can do that.
1: Friends can do that. It has to be clear. You there. It, it goes back to something we were saying way at the beginning. There has to be the predictability and that reliability, uh, on the end of the therapist, so that the client feels safe with the whole process. To not know when your next session is, and it, to have a session canceled and then not know when your next session is, that that it's confusing. It's it's disorienting. It's not- like
0: imagine, imagine what our clients' um, childhoods were like. Lack of dependability, wishy-washiness, take, being taken advantage of, um, unhealthy boundaries. Like, this is just so, this is re-traumatizing. Yeah. Uh, this is not, obviously not therapy, but this, this this kind of stuff is potentially, and maybe even po- pro- probably re-traumatizing. Mercedes, I'm going to make a outlandish statement here. Uh-oh. But I, I would say that not only is this person not a good therapist, I would say they're probably a sh- friend, too. <laughs> if this is friendship. <laughs> They're probably beyond the realm of what's a good friend in this, at this point.
1: <laughs> I mean, it, at this point, it seems like to this person, those two titles are the same. The friend and the therapist. Because, God, I can't even... I, I truly can't wrap my mind around some of these things. I can't understand the idea of inviting a client to a bar. Let's have a few drinks. Let's talk about love and sex and life. And I... My brain doesn't accept that.
0: There's more Mercedes, you ready? (laughs)
1: I'm not. How much more can there be? Look, you were not kidding about if there's one red flag. (laughs) There's (laughs) more. We're at approximately 67. I haven't really been counting, but...
0: What, minutes or things? Red
1: flags.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Red flag, okay, yeah. Well, We'll we'll try and pick up the pace. I think some of it is... I, I think it's important to list these specifically, because there might be someone out there who's like, yes. my, my therapist does that one thing, mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden, oh, there are more red flags. Yes. So, I, yes. I do think it's really important to list these specifically. So, here here's some more. She texted me asking if I like to dance, uh, and Wendy says, I do not, not that it matters. No, it doesn't. She texted me asking if I like to dance and said she had gotten us Groupons oh. for group dance lessons together. She got a deal though. It's Groupon. What
1: is happening?
0: But that's not okay.
1: What (laughs) is happening?
0: Later on, I signed up for private dance lessons because I wanted to learn the technical movements a bit better. So she did her own private dance lessons because she
1: wanted to, right?
0: Maybe because she wanted to, but I don't. I don't know. Maybe because she wanted to to go to the group lessons and do better. We have no idea.
1: Like there's so much. um... Oh gosh, what's the word? obligation
0: there could be yeah and again we don't know the real wendy we have no idea right. this, to the to us this is like a fictional character that we're talking about so late, later on she signed up for private dance lessons because she wanted to learn more technical movements and be a bit better and then the therapist joined in these oh. sessions assuming i would pay for her <gasps> for her private lessons as well which i did not knowing wendy. not knowing how to say no not knowing how to
1: say no this is again this is the abuse of the power this is the power dynamic and this therapist is taking advantage of that and i'm gonna go out on a limb and say maybe she didn't know what she was doing because obviously there's not a whole lot of common sense i'm sorry now i'm just being rude <laughs> there's just not a, lot, a whole lot of common sense being used in this therapist's mind but god like oh this poor thing i feel so terrible for wendy
0: definitely the the abuse of power yes. here Someone who doesn't know how to say no, they don't know how to do this yet. This is a skill they need, and in therapy, they should be learning this healthy boundaries. And a big way of doing that is by modeling healthy boundaries. At that point, I was getting super uncomfortable, but also couldn't yet assert myself. So, just like we said, she also uses me to pay for Broadway tickets for the both of us, saying that it would be a therapeutic exposure. (sighs) That's it's messed up, it's messed up, but in the therapy,
1: out manipulation.
0: This is a, an extreme abusive use of power. They're using their role for their personal gain. It sounds like, so they're well aware of their role. Mm-hmm. This is this is really egregious.
1: It, it's it's astonishing, and I can't. The thing that's going through my mind, and this is s- slightly apart. Gosh, I'm, I'm. The thing that's going through my mind is is the money piece. Like, I went I went oh, through a time in my life where, like, we lived paycheck to paycheck, you know, like, we kept track of every, like, dollar in the bank, and, like, I mean, it sounds like Wendy can buy Broadway tickets, yay for Wendy, fantastic, but you should not have to when this is your therapist requiring you to, as a therapeutic intervention, like, it she's already wasting so much money on therapy. And I said wasting because she's not getting any therapy. And on top of it, she's buying meals and drinks and Broadway tickets and dance lessons. And like, how much money did this poor girl spend because of this therapist abusing of her, of her role as a therapist? Oh my gosh.
0: There's a lot of trust that people put in those as therapists.
1: There is. And, and, and there has to be a lot of care on our part taken because of that trust.
0: Oh, real quick, I I do think there so this is messed up because she said the Broadway things for therapeutic exposure. That was the reasoning. That was obviously a very distorted way of BS. discussing therapeutic exposure. You're distorting the potential benefit of therapeutic exposure. I think that is a real thing. I Therape- think that there is yeah, a real let thing. Let me be clear, I've,
1: therapeutic exposure is a real thing. This therapist using that as an excuse is BS.
0: For this is obviously right, yeah. But but I've I've worked with therapists who will do exposure for very life skills kind of thing, like sure. riding a bus. I've Absolutely. worked with therapists who, yeah, who who've actually done that with their clients.
1: I think it's a really powerful intervention.
0: Yeah, so like they they feel anxiety about mm-hmm. being on the bus in mm-hmm. public. So hey, let's let's do some exposure stuff, and they work up to it, and then they do it. Um, but there's that there's reasoning to it. The parent has provided informed consent as part of it. But, but that that's what could be a healthy use of therapy exposure
1: but i don't think the therapist is going to say you buy my bus ticket do you know what i mean like the like there's l- and and i think it's good that you're like uh, kind of specifying the the boundaries of what's okay and what's not okay because i think therapy can therapy doesn't have to be you sit on the couch i sit in the chair we stare at each other and talk the whole right. time. that's not what it has to be no and i've learned the, the more that i work with children the more i learn like it, it can be anything you can be anywhere And you can be doing anything. And again, as long as it's beneficial to the client. So yes, it it doesn't have to be just in the office. But for this person to say, uh, you know, Broadway tickets, because for you, but you have to pay for me. And it's just, there's no, no, I can't even make a sentence anymore.
0: We started sharing rides. Do you want to keep going on?
1: Please, please do. We have to, we have to finish this.
0: We started sharing rides. Grab my hammer, Sadie. Let's do this. We're jumping in feet first. Here we go. We started sharing rides to dance and Broadway together, and she would take phone calls from family on speaker and let them know she was with Wendy. That's my name. And then in all capitals, she put her family knew about me by name. Okay.
1: Do we have to? Do people understand? Do we have to?
0: Confidentiality and this is obviously not the
1: boundaries, the confidentiality.
0: But let's talk about we we don't share names. Like, I don't even know this person and I made up a name for them. Right. I'm not the therapist, so it's not a therapeutic relationship, but that's how much care we're supposed to bring in general.
1: Like, this is is the trust again, and this is the respect that we need to have for the people that are our clients and obviously the people that aren't our clients. This is a client. This isn't your client Justin, this isn't my client. No. But this is a client and we have it's just that a respect, respect yeah, right, to care right, right, for yeah. this person. Cuz that's what you do as a therapist, not all of this other crazy stuff.
0: <laughs> we we do not ever like ever uh-uh. as Taylor Swift would say, uh share names or identifiable information about our clients. Confidential, confidentiality is obviously essential to the process of therapy. And it was. I think it's what makes it unique. This is friendships don't work that way. We might keep secrets for friends, maybe, but probably not. But <laughs> confidentiality is absolutely, yes. absolute. It is and, so essential. And
1: for further clarity, for the people listening, it's not just about names. It's also about identifying information. So if I had a a client that yeah, had like yeah. a very distinctive tattoo, or right. like a, a physical feature that was unique or or if you came across this person in the street you'd be like oh that's that's the person mercedes was talking about it we we take care of the confidentiality in more ways than just your your names and like contact information it it has to do with if there's some identifiable feature about you we are not it and i guess yeah let me finish my sentence we're not going to put that out there into the world and furthermore for further clarity we're we're not i don't let me speak for myself i don't bring my work home i don't talk about my clients at home every now and then i'll need to vent a little bit and i'll say to my husband you know i had a really hard day i had a client that was i don't know i'll say you know like i'll say something like going yeah. through something difficult i would i would never say like oh my client is depressed and da da da, da and 16 years old and this and that none of that no. it would just be
0: and not by name never this person was talking about their client by name to their family. And their family
1: recognized it. That is horrifying.
0: So we we do not ever do this, obviously. I Even when I share stories on the podcast, I don't share my client's names, period. Mm-hmm. I don't even give them made-up names. I will swap out their genders. Mm-hmm. I will say they're in the, gr- the wrong grade that they're actually in. <laughs> I go out of my way to mask everything I can, but still to describe the essential features of why I'm trying to share the story. But because I know that there might be staff, coworkers who listen to this who could identify Mm -hmm. a client based on, and usually the clients we work with have very unique circumstances and behaviors and whatnot. Identifiable features, recognizable stories. Right. I go out of my way to be like, well, if Mr. Blanky Blank listened to this, he'd be able to know this client because I said this thing. So I'm going to mask that and I'll completely change their age. I always talk about my clients in the past tense. Like I, I go out of my way to do the best I can to mask who I'm talking about. I even when we see clients in public, we're not supposed to say hi to you, right? right? Because that could break confidentiality. Right. And this person's going out to shows and dancing blah blah blah. But when I see clients in public, I look the other mm-hmm. way. I tell them ahead of time in in usually like an in intake, the I say, consent. "Hey, confidentiality is yeah. in the uh, confidentiality is super important. If I see I I tell them, I'm this is so important to me that if I see you in public, I will ignore you." <laughs> And I say, it's not because I'm rude. It's because you might be with someone. And if I say, hey, what's up? They're going to be like, hey, who is that? that mm-hmm. And put you in a... Right. And then how
1: do you explain that relationship? And especially because right. you're, you, you're a therapist for kids too. That's, a, that's a, n- a different level, right? Because like, why would this adult person know this child?
0: It's tough For sure.
1: Right? Like, what, in what context? For sure. Oh, he's my friend. What? <laughs> like, then there's other questions. Yeah.
0: I tell my clients, that if you say hi to me, I'm happy to say hi back. But I will never initiate. And when clients do see me, because we live in a fairly, or I live in a very, fairly small city, it happens. I see my clients
1: mm-hmm.
0: kind of regularly, besides quarantine stuff, kind of regularly. So it does happen. And usually they'll say, hey, Mr. Sinceri, and and then I might say, hey, what's up? And that's about mm-hmm. it. But I do not initiate. Wendy goes on. She pressured me into going out for drinks for my birthday. I don't drink and I don't like social drinking. And she introduced me to her friends she invited to meet us there.
1: I see that you're waiting for a reaction, but like, I, it's just...
0: I'm giving you time to process. Yeah. No, I'm just giving you time to process. Okay. We don't have to go into that. Obviously, it's okay. the same. She regularly texted or took calls during our session and would say, you don't mind, right? Without giving me a chance to respond. So of course not. We don't do that.
1: So disrespectful. This is
0: not okay. No. That's just the that's world. Just when I'm there, human
1: decent. Like, that's basic manners. No, I know. Yeah,
0: I know. I know. Gosh. Yep. When I'm in therapy, the world is pretty much put on hold. Mm-hmm. If my phone rings, I ignore it. Like the phone in my office, mm-hmm. the work phone, I, I ignore it. I don't mm-hmm. answer it. If my per actually I have my phone my personal phone will be on silent. Um and if it's not, I mute it real quick and I say, hey, sorry about that. And I get back to the session. Mm-hmm. Though everything is put on hold until the session or in between sessions, really. That's when my life opens up again. But in session, that's about it.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Like nothing else happens. Mm-hmm.
1: Because this is your time, and especially when you're paying, when you are paying me your money, this is your time. This is what you paid for. You paid for 50 minutes of undisturbed attention from me, and and that's it. That's it.
0: That is it. Mm -hmm. That's an essential part of the service that we provide.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. Okay, we have a few more.
1: Let's do it. Hit me.
0: She forced me to hug her right after I had my first panic attack slash dissociated during a session with her. And I, yeah, I could see that happening. We don't... uh, Well, hold on. I don't generally like to hug anyone I'm not super close to, especially while I'm having a panic attack. Yeah. Yeah. She then started asking for a hug at the end of each session. So this is a unique thing, hugging, physical touch with clients. Typically... I don't hug my clients. Actually, I never t- I never. I work with kids. I don't hug them. <laughs> it has come up a couple times where it's in front of staff and they are hugging the staff and I'm there. Like like after an IEP there was a student who was hugging everybody. She and I don't hug. But she hugged me as part of like one after uh-huh. the other. And she initiated it and I I gave a little hug back. And then after I had completed a, I had completed therapy with um with a young man, and in our final session, we were walking out. We were smiling, like "Hey, good job," blah blah blah. Kind of awkward because it, it, like, do you handshake? Right. Does, does he want to hug me? And I know for me, like, no, I don't want to do that. <laughs> but then one of my coworkers at the time, this is years and years ago, she says, "Oh, you completed," and, and we we're like, "Yeah, he's all done with therapy." And she goes, "You guys gonna hug?" Oh gosh. I was like, "Oh." <laughs> and so we we did. It was like, um, "All right, yeah." But I, neither of us really – it was this awkward social situation. Beyond that, I can't think of a single time where I've hugged a client. I don't. I work with kids. That's just – that's not going to happen. Actually, little kids will come up and hug me yeah. that I've worked with. And I'll give them a little pat or something like that maybe. But like full-on hug. When their parents are there, yeah, I've probably hugged back with little kids, teenagers in our one-on-one room. No, that's not happening.
1: I think I've – this is another one of those things that I've become more lenient in or more lenient with – as time has progressed like before when I first had become a therapist like don't touch the clients ever which is absolutely fine yeah. <laughs> that's absolutely fine. <laughs> um, I've become more lenient with it because um, the specific population that I work with and I, I I know I've shared before on the podcast but I j- I'm just hesitant to do that. Uh, but the specific population I work with is um, there's lots of trauma and they're and they're right, younger right. kids. the oldest kids are are up to eighth grade. So, you know, some of them are teenagers, but most most of them are younger. And kind of like what you were saying, like, I think the younger they go, it doesn't feel quite so icky because, um, right? you know, like, littler kids are just more, like, physically affectionate. So so there have been times there where I've hugged, but, like, there's specific clients. I don't hug all the clients across the board. I don't do that. There are some kids that don't like physical touch. There are some kids who have had sexual abuse. There are some kids who have had physical abuse. There are some kids who have issues with women. There are some issues who have issues with tall. Yeah. You know, like whatever. Like each kid is different, and so I, I think about each kid's specific needs and kind of again going back to the same thing I've been saying, before. Like, is there a reason for me to do this? And if that reason is beneficial to the to the client, then I will do it. And I have never initiated a hug. It always comes from a desire of theirs that they need that physical connection. And it is not the same type of hug that I give to my own children. Like it, like, it, like the, the quality of the hug, I guess you could right. say, is different. Like it's definitely lighter and it's definitely more of like a side hug usually. Or if it's like a full yeah, hug, yeah. it's not quite as like cuddly as the type of hugs I give to my husband or my kids. And again, it's only when I feel like this is something necessary for the for the client. Because that's what I'm here for, is I'm here to help them. Yeah,
0: I got gotcha. you. Yeah. So typically I would say hugs are not it's the never, norm, I, I think. It
1: should never be coerced. It should definitely no, be... No, pressure, yeah, no. Oh God, it's so icky that she did that. After a panic attack, gosh, like how how delicate is a person? Like how delicate is a person's state? Like you're just coming out of this like hugely like like uh, energetic... like energetic highly activated yeah just
0: probably some freeze energy coming out or coming up
1: and then she's uh, she's not a person who likes hugs you should know this as a therapist this is something that needs to have uh,
0: yeah so healthy touch in session i think Mm -hmm. you kind of laid it out Mm -hmm. um but in general I, i think there are therapists who utilize touch they've been trained in therapeutic touch i forget what it's called but um that might be something they can say, hey, I have this training. This is part of my, the way I, I work. These are the norms of, of what that will look like. And that would be a client agreeing to that. This is this is obviously not that. But that could be the healthy way that it looks like. That could be the appropriate well, professional way Well, and the client
1: needs to indicate a, a desire or a preference for that.
0: Yeah, it would be in the informed consent. It would be discussed ahead of time. Mm-hmm.
1: And if the client were to say something to the effect of, I don't like hugs, cool. That's where the line is. We don't have to go there.
0: No, well, I mean, like, touch, like, touching. I don't know. I don't know if they do, honestly. So I I can't speak on it, but using touch.
1: Oh, yeah. Okay. I got you. As a way to, like,
0: help channel energy or or something. But I guess
1: my point is that if the client were to draw the line and say, no, absolutely not, then then that's where the conversation ends. You know what I mean? I would hope so. Yeah. That's
0: Uh, right. Wendy goes on and says, There is so much more. I feel like I can go on.
1: Oh, my goodness, Wendy.
0: But I have to admit that part of me was flattered and loved our our friendship. That's so sad because it's it wasn't a friendship
1: you were paying for it. it's, it's not, not a, fr- a friend- it was
0: very yeah it was very manipulative i think mm-hmm. it was it sounds like it was um really taking advantage of someone who really really needed a safe person mm-hmm. and so that it's 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 really sad that there may be someone listening right now who can relate mm-hmm. and I hope that person's got something out of this so far. But, you know, there we have to be acting differently than please everybody else in that person's please. life. We have to. Not not just differently than this person, but we in have to be planet, a unique relationship. Yeah. This is why we have the ethical guidelines. This is why we have legal, you know, laws.
1: Well, this is why we have such extensive training. Like, two years of, of school, post-college, and then, you know, however many years it takes for a person to become licensed – it's an extensive process and there's a reason for it because we need to be able to know and understand all of these guidelines and, and procedures and the reasons behind it. Like it's, there's a reason for all of this. Don't be jerks. (sighs)
0: So we, we obviously have to be the safe relationship. They may have never gotten one. They may be uh, really relying and hoping that we'll be that one person for them. And you can see that it's 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 so easy to take advantage of that. If the wrong person is the therapist in the room, you can see how easy it is to take advantage of that. And with this story, and again, we're treating this like a fictional thing because we don't know mm-hmm. the full. We have no idea. We're, we're, this is what was sent to me, mm-hmm. but we're treating this as if it's just a story. Okay, with and we're just discussing it. It seems to me like this. Wendy here, this fictional character, Wendy, was groomed Ooh, from the get-go, yes. Ooh. right? Because it was escalating worse and worse and worse. And the, the opening red flag was there's a special connection here. And this Wendy as a character, the again, the fictional character of Wendy that we're talking about, she really needed a friendship. She needed connection. She needed safety and so to be told that you're special
1: that makes it so much worse for me because Wendy is coming out like at the very beginning what she was talking about she had just come off of this relationship right the her marriage ended and it was an abusive relationship and now she's stepping back into a different form of abuse but but to be groomed oh my god like that's so gross that this therapist essentially repeated the pattern of her yeah. previous relationship that brought Wendy into therapy. And then the therapeutic process just repeated everything that Wendy had already gone through. Gosh, that's so disgusting to me.
0: I really think that this, um, this story as a narrative, as it's laid out, it really seemed like someone was being groomed and tested and how far can I push this? I got away with that. Well, let's do this next thing. And all of a sudden free trips to Broadway drinks, Paying for sessions that are basically a chance for them to talk about whatever, you know, fill in the blank for the therapist to utilize that time. Uh, and it's, yeah. Okay. So, Wendy, a couple more things. Wendy done? said a certain point.
1: Done?
0: Okay. Go on. She says, at a certain point, though, I was really struggling and she refused to acknowledge it. She said she didn't believe in focusing on trauma. And that the way to deal with it was to move on and just be strong.
1: That's just it.
0: It's ridiculous. This is not therapy. No. no, this now this just this piece. I think people might be able to say, "Yeah, my therapist doesn't." I've heard. I've people have written this to us. You know, back when we were doing the path therapy. This is not. I don't know how common it is, but I know there's somebody listening to this right now whose therapist told them to just move on or let's not talk about the trauma. Let's not think about that. Let's just get over it, whatever it is. Or I don't feel comfortable talking about it. So I know there's someone listening who's like, who, who can relate to this in some way. So if a therapist does not feel comfortable with your trauma, okay, they, they, they can voice that. And I think it's okay to say, I, I don't think I can help you. Here's someone who can.
1: That's a that's another one of our ethical guidelines that that is in in oh, our yeah. ethical... I'm trying to find different words. It's in our ethical guidelines that if you feel as a therapist, standards norms uh that you, that you can't provide a service to a client as requested, it is completely acceptable for you to say, sorry, no, thank you. But, but you have to provide a referral to someone else. You have to provide a different avenue for them to find the service that they need. That's part of our ethical guidelines.
0: She made plenty of room to talk about her was, issues. Sorry, but...
1: there was one more point there. Go um, ahead. I think the about the trauma thing. Yeah, I think it's okay for a therapist to say we don't have to talk about the trauma, but to say no, never. And so, I guess what I, I guess what I want to clarify is if the client feels like they don't want to have to go through it again. If the client feels like they don't want to talk about it or don't want to relive it, a, a therapist can find a different way around that to to still work through the trauma. You don't have to talk about the trauma, but that has to come from the client. Because for a, for a therapist to say, no, we're not talking about it, get over it, that's right. that's ridiculous. Uh, any therapist worth their salt is going to be able to handle that. And if they're not, that's okay. And again, like we just said, like the therapist needs to be yeah. able to say... Uh, you know this this thing I can't do for you, but here's someone who might be able to help you.
0: All right, well we are going to wrap it up. There's a it does have a positive turn.
1: Thank goodness, poor Wendy. Goodness gracious.
0: So the last thing it says, she made plenty of room to talk about her issues, but wouldn't give me some time to discuss mine. This is well, we've already said it. This is obviously not therapy whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Okay, after a summer of hanging out plenty as a friend, and I would say a shitty yep. friend, Mercedes. Yep. After a summer of hanging out plenty as a friend, but not much as a therapist slash client, I finally reached out to an old therapist and asked her if I could start seeing her again. It was my old therapist that first acknowledged that these were inappropriate boundaries. It took, it took all, yes, good job. It took almost a year of working with my old therapist again with very, very strong boundaries set by both of us. Hello. Yes. Here we go. Both of us. While at the same time building a wonderful and healthy therapeutic relationship, that I finally started to see that the psychiatrist was grossly unethical. I forgot she was a psychiatrist. And I had, in fact, oh my gosh, I had, in fact, not been at fault. Yes. Good. This is in no way. This is. Oh my gosh. I was a little bit more. I was finally able to start some of the trauma work. Yay. It's a year and five months since I last saw that psychiatrist for therapy and I just came across your podcast. Originally, I was interested because of the political theory, but it was your series on bad therapy that blew me away. I think I finally got some of the closure I needed to acknowledge how messed oh. up that year of therapy was and how much it actually affected me. I feel like I can now start to move on and let go of some of the blame I felt for that year oh, thank and how far I let it go. Quote, quote, unquote, I let it go. The quote suggests that she knows it's, it's not on her. Okay. I know that wasn't your most recent episode, but I felt like I needed to reach out and let you know what an impact it had on me and how much I appreciated you putting it out there. She says, both of you, this message is for Mercedes.
1: Oh, I love that so That's much. That's That's me. Yeah. That's me.
0: Yeah. She says, thank you. Thank you both for the work you oh are doing.
1: Oh, my gosh. Justin, this is why... I know this is why you <laughs> after all after that after all that that no that's a lovely that's a lovely closing not because I got a yeah. personal shout out but because like this is the reason that like you had started the podcast this is the reason that I had joined the podcast for a while is is to be able to put information out there that is helpful to people and and I love that gosh I love so much that you know through the bad therapy series cuz goodness gracious how much awfulness has been put out there by bad therapists but if if we can put these stories out there and kind of clarify some of the points I love that it's helping people and this is just one example of that and that that feels really powerful for me right now like I'm all the other stuff I'm not saying it's okay (laughs) but this feels that feels nice that feels really really nice so thank you to Wendy for that
0: yeah this is you know why we did what we did this is why we did the bad therapy stuff I think what originally like we didn't expect to to get the stories that we right. did and then to realize holy shit there is a there's a need for this to be talked about yes. out loud and for these steri- stories to be shared and for us to 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 begin to explain what is okay what and what's is not okay
1: what's not well, and the and the idea that there's people out there, and I'm using Wendy as an example, but like that there's people like Wendy out there who can release this blame or shame that they've been feeling through, you know, through the Bad Therapy series, through these podcast episodes, that's, that's amazing because it, none of this, none of this falls on the client's shoulders. None of it. Clients have already, like all of us as people are going through our own stuff. We all have our own set of baggage. But none of that falls on the client's shoulders. That's all on the therapist and, and the therapists who kind of give the rest of us a bad name. That, yeah. I want to, I don't want to like dampen the parade, but um, <laughs> I know I said that phrase wrong. <laughs> but I wanted to make a point out there just again for, for clarification and for edification of the peeps. The dear listeners, there is a route of uh, like a complaint procedure, right? I, I I don't know if I'm using the right terminology. There is a way to report a bad therapist. We all are um, governed by a uh, what is the name? Like a licensing,
0: the licensing board. Licensing
1: board. Like there there is State an entity licensing that board. provides the guidelines and the and, and oversees the following of those guidelines for all of us and i have to renew my license every two years and i have to take certain uh they call them continuing education units Um, it's continued teaching and training that i have to take to maintain my license and part of that is that i have to abide by these guidelines that have been set out by in california it's called the board of behavioral sciences yeah so just so people know there is a process to report people like if you feel like you've had a bad therapy experience and and it's a serious enough offense that people need to know about it. There are people that you can call. I, I don't have the information about other states. But like I said, in, in California, that's the Board of Behavioral Sciences. You just Google that bad boy and you'll get all the information you need to report, you know, a bad therapist, um, an unethical therapist, a, a therapist who has done something illegal because this kind of stuff is not OK. I, I take what I do extremely seriously. And I know. We have fun on the show when we talk and I have fun with my clients because I get to work with kids and I get to play games. But the job that I have is extremely serious and I, I take it seriously. And and everybody who does this job should take it seriously.
0: All right, Mercedes, thank you again for joining me. I hope, you okay?
1: Yeah. I'm okay. You okay after this one? I'm okay. I, I wanna think about Wendy and the beautiful words she said at the end so that I can leave this experience with a positive feeling. But yeah, that was lovely. That was really powerful what she said, and um, I was happy to do this again with you, Justin. I always, I always love an invitation back on the podcast.
0: There's people that I consider friends of the podcast, and they're always welcome back on. I would consider you <gasps> a best, fr- the best Justin friend of the podcast. Justin, sorry, that's yeah.
1: a compliment, and I'm not going to say anything snarky about it. That is a lovely compliment, and I, I accept it. Thank you.
0: All right, someday we'll go out for drinks and dry salads, right? No,
1: <laughs> yes, drinks <laughs> after the quarantine. So. not dry salads. <laughs> Ha, 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 ha.